I saw people in their advertising and marketing that looked like me, mm-hmm. that weren't like young, skinny, mildly androgynous white people. They were like, <laughs> to like as I call myself, a little bit brown. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to MVP, the marketer's most valuable perspective. My name is Mike Drysdale. I'm the general manager of Dear Storyteller. This is a podcast by State of Social and Dear Storyteller, recording live at Optus Stadium for State of Social 2022. For the next 20 minutes, I'm going to be deep diving on the most valuable perspectives of none other than, I just call you ALV constantly, Andre. Can you give us your full introduction? <laughs> My name is Andres Lopez Varela, but ALV is great. I mean, I've been called far worse so that's perfectly all right with me alv welcome to perth away from cynical sydney yes um how are you loving being here how did you enjoy your talk how are you enjoying the conference Uh, i i really enjoyed it i really enjoyed it it was great i mean last year i was sort of remote which was a terrifying terrifying uh experience um in the sense that i couldn't hear anyone i didn't know if it was all going well or not so it was really nice to to be here and you know the event has a great energy um and it's i feel like i haven't been to an in-person event since like the Jurassic era. So it's nice to it's nice to come to one in person in such a lovely place. And you added so much to it, mate. I was in that that talk, uh, maximum nice. value possible. Uh, maximum volume, volume possible. possible. Yeah, yeah, Sorry. yeah. Myself, uh, and also uh, as many cat references, I think, as I've ever seen yeah, great. In, inside of a presentation. That's so, my hope, yeah. Yeah, yeah it yeah. really hit a milestone. Good, there. I'm glad. Um, I, there's so much to talk about. Um, one of the things that I think we can start with is that idea of quality quality versus quantity. I mm. mean, I think it was the kind of center point of your, your piece today. And I can't help, I don't know how you're going to feel about this comparison, but it, it, it certainly makes me think about Gary V. Oh, yeah. Um, right. In some ways, in the sense that he often espouses that it's like, you know, you see those videos on TikTok and he's like, are you posting 14 times a day? Yeah, that's right. You need to be posting 14 times a day, dude. Uh, I don't think you got to telling us to posting 14 times a day, but no. why is quantity so important? I remember this terrible Gary Vee video. Actually, it was kind of a good one, but he was in front of a dumpster. He was literally in front of a dumpster and I think he just like, because he has that guy that follows him around and like the average tenure in that role is like eight months because he gets exhausted. And he was like, oh, I just told the guys I got to pull over. I got something to say. And we just, we we, we know there's a dumpster and they were like, they can't film in front of a dumpster. I don't care. The idea is so good. I just got to get out of me. So um, I'm glad that I'm glad to have that comparison because uh, he's hilarious and insightful at times. Um, Look, 14 times a day is a lot. Um, But I think certainly... You know, a lot of the time we've, we're talking about creating quality content over quantity mm. and I just simply can't work anymore. It's just if you're posting once a day, even, you know, you see some brands that will be inconsistent. They'll post for a few weeks very regularly and then drop off for a week and come back. You're never going to win anything on the internet that way. You're never going to be able to kind of, I guess, make sure that your marketing goals and your business goals are achieved simply because there's just not enough people to latch onto to rise above the, the, the noise, the clutter of all the stuff that's out there on the internet. I love that scrolling video that you showed us of just how many things, this was back in 2019, yes. but in, in the course of a minute, how many minutes of YouTube videos, posts, on, photos on Facebook, probably videos of cats that pop up on the internet in Absolutely. a minute's time. And it's like, it's monumental, right? So the internet is a tsunami. You've got to join the tsunami. Yeah. It is actually really funny because I think it links into uh, something that Adam Ferrier talks about a lot, which is mental availability. Oh, yes, um, yes. In a sense that 
your customers will often think of your category first. And when they think of your category, they need to think of your brand. At the same time, yeah. And if the conversation is going on, it's always going to keep on going on. Are you going to be part of it? Absolutely. If you're not mental, I think mental availability is actually the best way to explain, you know, what we need to achieve. Because, you know, without that engagement, you know, email subscribers, followers, none of that stuff can happen if you're infrequent with your content, if you're stop-start with your marketing. And even more importantly, if you're not understanding what works and you're putting a lot of stuff out there but it's crap, then it's obviously not going to work either. So, you know, while I do want people to do maximum volume possible, I want to make sure that they're focused on delivering against the underlying audience demand rather than just filling up the space. There was a really good question for someone in the room who asked, how do you do maximum volume without affecting people's mental health and just throwing so much stuff out there onto the internet yeah. that it actually, you know, is detrimental to their experience of, of yeah. you know, what they're doing online. And it's a very good question. I think the way to address that is to make sure that you understand the demand that people have, you know, because generally they want help or entertainment or information or education, all those kind of things. And those things generally, if you can meet those needs, are going to be more positive than negative, I think. Can I, can I, um, I don't want to say challenge, but I, I just want to kind of make the observation that isn't it also a very high bar to clear in the sense that, again, I feel like I've referenced Adam too many times on this podcast. He was first. He got into my mind. Mental availability. Um, but the, there's this thing that he says Malcolm about Malcolm Gladwell where somebody asked Malcolm Gladwell, what do you think people really want from brands? And Malcolm said, I think they just want to be left alone. Yeah. And so if we really were giving what customers are demanding us of us, we wouldn't be in the conversation. But it's like, uh, sure, I can reject that notion and I can say, well, that's not how brands go. That's not how we got to do business. Yeah. But... When our competition, for instance, if you're a cooking brand or you're a food brand or something like that and you're talking about midweek meals mm. or something of that nature, your competitors are every incredible food-making influencer that's out there, all of those food media publishers, yeah. a little brand to make hey, content hey, how that's you, how better you, than that, that's more you, yeah. worthy of eyeballs than that. It, look, it, it is a, you're right, it is a high bar. I think the truth is, though, that that is the, the, the watermark of the competition. And I don't think that's going to change. Mm. But at the same time, the other side of that coin is that you have, you know, influencers and content creators who are creating amazing content in their kitchen or in their, in their you know, bedroom or their backyard. Yeah. And that stuff is killing it, you know, it's crushing yeah. it. And they're not manned with you know, amazing microphones and lights and beautiful stages and things like that. They're just doing it with maybe a ring light yeah. and a gimbal and that's it, you know, in terms of video content. I think what's key is is that the volume, really, if you've got to make a choice and trade-off mm -hmm. between quality and quantity, you must choose quantity. Mm -hmm. You can no longer, you, you still need to have quality content, but you can no longer do quality at the expense of quantity and expect to reach your goals and frankly even be relevant to the audience because while you may not have to be the best food brand uh you know while you while you might not be able to beat you know like the best cooking influencers and celebrity chefs in the world you need to be higher than the lowest you know the 99 like the, the lowest percentile you need to be much higher than that and that only comes from volume 
Yeah. Uh, and I think sometimes as well, you just never know what's going to hit. Yeah. We have this idea of quality That's in it. our head. And so sometimes like you put a filter <laughs> yeah. over yourself, be like, oh, I can't post that. I just remember it was this kind of classic moment, a friend of mine, um, she's an influencer in Perth and she has some incredible imagery that she puts up all the time. Very like, um, what's the, uh, what do we say when we're on Instagram? We're curating our life. Yes. A very curated version of yes. her life. And lo and behold, one day she puts up this photo or this, sorry, this video where she's posing in the water and a wave comes through and knocks her ass over tit. Yeah. And she was mortified at the time. She's so embarrassed yeah. and she wasn't going to post it. And I just went, post it. Post it. Yeah. Highest engaging thing for like yeah. the last six months. And it's like, sometimes we go, but that's not perfect. But that's not what meets my strategy that's or my right. brand that's values. Right. Yeah. And sometimes you don't, never know what's going to hit. I think that's what's important about understanding the audience demand. Just, I mean, your friend, obviously, the demand probably isn't for her getting smacked in the face by waifs <laughs> all the time. But is the audience demand actually to see behind the curtain? For her. Yes. Probably yes. Yeah. And probably she needs to consider that if she wants to make like you wants to have a hockey stick moment if you like in terms of mm. reach and engagement and all that kind of stuff based on whatever her goals are. You know, I think that's really a no brainer, right? Where that's the audience demand. Great, I need to get more volume. Well let me stop, you know, burning daylight by filming all these beautifully, you know, curated videos. It takes me an hour to shoot. 30 second video let me just go through the stuff get as much volume as i can just you know just really just ring ring it out and then from there you'll be able to tell the demand so the good thing about volume is that not only does it allow you to reach your goals more likely to reach your goals you know faster and in sort of a a better way but it also gives you a lot more data to test with mm-hmm so if you're putting out one post a day, then at the end of the month, you've only got 30 posts to compare. And arguably that's statistically insignificant. Yeah. If you're putting out three posts a day, you've tripled the data set and you can have far better insight. You're making me sweat here. You said three <laughs> posts a day. Three posts is, a day. Yeah, okay. It's very uncomfortable in the seat, yeah. yeah. Um, it's, you're going to have far better chance of telling what your audience wants. Mm. 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 It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an end in itself and it's a means to an end. I like that. Um, I'm going to ask you something else. Um, one of the things that I was fascinated when I was talking to um, David Ray about yesterday uh, was the idea that Reddit has become almost like a uh, crowdsourced search engine. Yes, I love that concept. And instead of typing it into Google and seeing what articles come up, you just type in the question and let humans respond to you. Yeah. And I think that that was so fascinating. Now you brought up that f- like a, a large percentage of Gen Zs prefer to search on TikTok and Instagram yeah, over Google. 40%. What is that search play going to be like moving forward? That's because a great question, I think. it's yeah. been the fundamental of marketing for the longest time. And you didn't think that Google had competitors yeah. for that. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I feel like this conversation has gathered steam quick. Yeah. I think... Um, What's most interesting, and I thought that David Ray session yesterday was really eye-opening because as a personal user of Reddit, but not like a business marketer user of Reddit, I couldn't see the, I couldn't really join the dots super well until he joined them for me yesterday. Mm. That was very informative, particularly around the point around search was the crowdsourced sort of search. I think maybe not now, right? But maybe in 10 years time, some of that market share for Google, which is like well over 90%, 
right, and like Bing has like 3% or something, that will start to decline because people won't be going there for the majority of their searches. They're going to be going to those crowdsource channels to get answers from people they trust rather than a rando algorithm on Google. Mm. I think that, you know, there's still some time to go, mm-hmm. so let's not get too worried about yeah, that. Yeah, early. Yep. Um, you know, let's be more concerned like about voice search rather than text search now, for example. Sure. But let's not think that just because previous generations have done it a certain way, that that younger generation will do it the same way. I think that was a real eye-opener because of the need for that audience to have... You know, Reddit's a good example because that platform puts trust together with, um, uh, you know, being a safe space, uh, trusted sources, safe space. Community-driven. Community-driven, yeah. Why wouldn't you search for your answers there about, you know, like... What's what's the best way? There was a good example, like around personal finance. You know, people, you know, here's here's the spreadsheet I used. You might find this useful. I mean, why wouldn't you do that rather than go to some random, you know, accounting firm's Mm. blog section? So I think maybe in ten years' time, this conference will be quite different because maybe there'll be less of us types and more of the (laughs) more of the content creators here. I love it. Yeah. One last question uh, around you before we jump into the kind of speedy questions. Okay. Yeah. Um, I love that Storiation um, was founded by editorial uh, yes. kind of media people, yes. media publishers, right? Um, do you think that brands have to think of themselves as publishers now? Like, are you almost like a media publisher first, brand second? Personally, I think that's a that's a big mistake okay. to think of yourself as a media publisher, unless you're actually going to stand up a media kind of publishing operation with like editors and sub-editors and, mm-hmm. um, you know, all the things that come with that because I think th- what we've seen, you know, certainly in the past five years is the erosion of trust in those um, institutions because of the over, arguably the excessive proliferation of quote-unquote, I'm using air quotes here for people listening at home, you know, media outlets, you know, mm-hmm. alternative media outlets. And I think as much as we see this in the political and kind of the civic sphere, we can see it in any sphere. And I think that's problematic. I think what brands need to do is they need to adopt some of those publisher habits around audience building in particular, right? Around sort of um, interest, uh, like uh, identifying the interests that line up between the brand and the audience. Mm -hmm. And they also need to make sure that they're, um, you know, um, contributing to a community, either existing or one that they create, which is sort of, you know, media habits, I guess, but don't try to step in and be a media brand. Mm -hmm. I think it's probably not your place, but also you're probably going to screw it up. Yeah. Um, and you need to be committed to it for the long term. Mm. So unless you're committed to it and that budget is in the, is that line item is in the budget year after year after year after year, cause you're not going to see a return for years. Yep. Yeah. True. Then don't do it. I love that. Yeah. Um, okay. Real last question. Okay. Um, you, you talked about deprioritizing uh, platforms or like, yeah. you know, <laughs> Killing them, um, going a of, on a, a killing spree. A lot of people wanted spree. to kill Twitter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, what's the last uh, platform that you killed for yourself? Uh, Facebook. Facebook. Yeah. And and so what are your platforms at the moment? Really like Instagram mostly. Yep. I work with someone who's slowly convinced me to get on TikTok. Yep. So, <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to go to this event in Perth. And then when I come back, that, that will be what I make my decision. So she's waiting for me to come into the office um, uh, to do that. So she's going to set me up on that. I mean, I'm mainly more about the Chinese government knowing stuff about me, but also I think I'm not that interesting. So, 
you know. I love it. <laughs> it All right, let's, let, let's ask some quick fire questions. Yes, please. Uh, number one, where do you go to learn more about marketing? Oh, state of social comfort. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for someone to say that this entire time. Um, I really love to hear, I love to listen to, um, how do you say that sounding like a wanker? I think I like to listen to like, um, like narrative driven podcasts. Yep. Because I think the way they tell stories, the way they're kind of weaving that documentary style with the sort of, um, you know, editorial and emotive stuff, there's a lot of lessons there mm-hmm. for how to connect with an audience. Because I think that to me is the essence is connecting with an audience. Mm-hmm. And so really the platforms and the channels and things like that and the widgets and the doodads are sort of, you know, quite easy to learn on demand. But that's sort of, you know, f- filling your cup, I guess, with yep. that sort of more story-driven audience first. Is there a specific one you want to recommend? Oh, gosh. Um, I really like um, the Recode Vox podcast, The Land of the Giants, okay, with, awesome. which is, you know, one season. Each season focuses on a tech giant, Amazon, Facebook, Netflix, and how they came to be and how they came to sort of control big aspects of our life. Mm. Um, like I, think, that. I think that's, that's a great um, – it's a great example of sort of like taking a topic and then slicing into it many different ways. Yep. You know, because it could be one season and one platform per episode. Mm-hmm. But like the season on Amazon, one of them is about one episode's about Alexa, one episode's about the warehouse, one episode's about robotics, one's about Prime. So yeah, I, 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 that's really inspiring to me because it's like instead of telling the story, try to tell it oh shit as quickly as possible. How, how do you stretch it out and make it meaningful? That's awesome. It's a really good lesson, I think. Yeah, yeah. that sounds very cool. Um, keen to check that out. What is a small brand that you love and why? How small, mate? Like how how small? Like. Um, not Coke, not... not yeah, not, no, 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 no. Um, small brand that I love and why. There is a brand in Sydney called Grumpy Donuts. Yes, I'd love the name. And right. they do... <laughs> while everybody in Sydney's trying to do like a gluten-free donut or an air-fried donut or a baked donut, these guys, on their box, it says deep-fried till we die. And it's this <laughs> garish pink and green um, branding and, you know, their content's really great and, you know, their brand matches their product. It's just unapologetic and it's such a great donut. That is the loudest I've Come to Sydney. this podcast. Come Deep to Sydney, go to Grumpy Donuts. Okay, I'm doing it. Shout uh, out to Grumpy Donuts. <laughs> if you could spend four hours with any speaker or, or with any marketer, or business person in the world, who would you choose and why? Well, hey, I would love to, not know exactly who they are, mm. but I would love to um, speak to the people who um, create like supplementary content uh, around like Netflix shows and, mm. um, you know, like content, like, you know, the podcasts around, around, you know, I know sometimes obviously the official ones are not so, not so great, but like, you know, who's kind of going, hey, we need the official podcast of this and, you know, the fan, you know, page of that. And like, I would love to talk to somebody at Netflix who is sort of doing that work. On um, theme, maximum volume. Maximum volume. You're talking yeah. about you've got the big shiny centerpiece of creativity yeah. here, but we need to expand it. We need to have our expanded content universe, right? That's it. That's it. Um, I love that answer. That's so insightful and so on brand for you. Very good. <laughs> very good. Um Okay, uh, only a couple more questions. Is there an emerging customer behavior that you think will be highly influential over the next decade? I think the use of voice is something that we struggle. We either choose not to understand it because it seems really hard or we genuinely don't understand it. Mm. I think it's obviously tricky from like a technological point of view because the nuance of voice is so different to 
you know, when people type in search, for example, or, you know, when, when they use text to engage with us, mm-hmm. but when people use voice, they, they, they're not complying with any UX that we give them. Yeah. The UX is their voice. And so how do we communicate content in meaningful, whether it's bite-sized or long-form ways, um, in audio, but in response to people's voice queries? And that sounds like super like abstract, but I think, you know, if I think of the amount of time that I see, the change that that I've seen anecdotally just in people I work with, like we have, you know, um, Google Home speakers in the office and people are always asking them in the office. Sometimes they're playing Spotify, then other times they're like, oh, hey, show us the news. And other times they're like, um, can you show me, like seriously, someone will ask the thing, you know, um, you know, hey, Google, uh, what's the most important metric for Facebook reach? Like, I mean, that's just nuts. Like who would have thought like a few years ago that we'd be doing that? I think mm-hmm. that is going to come up and whether it remains a big mm-hmm. thing, I don't know, but I think that's something that we don't really, uh, we haven't worked it out yet. We haven't worked well. it out. That's we haven't worked the, it out. Yeah. We haven't worked it out. And I think that, you know, that's, that's important because that behavior is, you can see it increasingly more prevalent. Agreed. Very interesting. Yeah. Two questions to go. Yeah. Uh, has a major public opinion recently flipped where you felt marketing or communications played a crucial role? A major public opinion. A major public opinion. Um, I really think um, that everyone's going to say the pandemic, so I don't want to say that. But I want to talk about um, the cost of living and farmers. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about how um, the cost of things like um, you know, lettuce, obviously milk, that kind of thing, where um, in some cases – you know, brands, particularly like supermarkets, have done a super good job at sort of making that an issue about supporting farmers. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, it's such a big part of the Australian identity. So at least for our listeners in this vast brown land, that really kind of strikes a chord. Yep. And you're like, well, you know, that lettuce is $12 or that milk is $3 a litre. Or those eggs are $8. But there's a guy out the back of somewhere who is really struggling to feed his family. And I can do my bit for them by buying the lettuce, you know? Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, last question. When you think of the term prized possession, what's the first branded thing that comes to mind? And while you think about that, uh, follow up, do you remember the specific ad or piece of marketing that convinced you to buy it? I would say my glasses. Yeah. So I wear glasses. I have a lot of different... I've been very lucky in that my prescription has been stable for like eight years. So the glasses that I bought over eight years, I can still wear. Um, and I find them a really, a really prized possession. These ones in particular, the ones that I wear a lot, mostly are Oscar Wiley. And I think what convinced me about them was that, A, they had something that, like I saw people in their advertising and marketing that looked like me, mm-hmm. that weren't like young, skinny, mildly androgynous white people. They were like to like, as I call myself a little bit Brown, um, but also different face shapes and things like that. Yep. And I was like, Oh, it's really interesting. And I can, before they had shops, it's like, I can order a bunch and try them on at home and then just send back the ones I don't like. What a fantastic and like frictionless way of doing it, you know, rather than trying to be convinced by somebody in a store who probably knows nothing about my face and, and the way I wear glasses. So I think that's really, I mean, there are other brands that do that really well. You know, there's a new brand DLI where, um, that um, Daniel Levy from Shits Creek started, um, and that's kind of similar as well. But he's certainly not the, not the forerunner in that in that space. I think his personality gives a little something special. But um, I would say now yeah, all my Oscar Wiley glasses. 
Yeah, absolutely crushed that, mate. Thank you so much you, for mate. joining us. You're a very thoughtful, insightful dude. I loved your presentation. I loved this conversation just as much. Um, and thank you guys for joining us for this episode of MVP, the marketer's most valuable podcast. Um, give us a rating and review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Last us. <laughs> and we look forward to chatting to you in the next episode. Thanks so much. And we'll talk to you soon.